From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, to Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages from the ministry of Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is preaching a series of studies in the doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit, a subject which is sadly neglected in our day. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in the Song of Solomon, chapter 4 and verse 12. A spring shut up, a fountain sealed. In this metaphor, which has reference to the inner life of a believer, we have very plainly the idea of secrecy. It is a spring shut up. Just as there were springs in the east over which an edifice was built so that none could reach them save those who knew the secret entrance, so is the heart of a believer when it is renewed by grace. There is a mysterious life within which no human skill can touch. It is a secret which no other man knoweth, nay, which the very man who is the possessor of it cannot tell to his neighbor. The text includes not only secrecy, but separation. It is not the common spring of which every passer-by may drink. It is one kept and preserved from all others, it is a fountain bearing a peculiar mark, a king's royal seal, so that all can perceive that it is not a common fountain, but a fountain owned by a proprietor and placed specially by itself alone. So is it with the spiritual life. The chosen of God were separated in the eternal decree. They were separated by God in the day of redemption, and they are separated by the possession of a life which others have not and it is impossible for them to feel at home with the world or to delight in its pleasures. There is also the idea of sacredness. The spring shut up is preserved for the use of some special person, and such is the Christian's heart. It is a spring kept for Jesus. Every Christian should feel that he has God's seal upon him, and he should be able to say with Paul, From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Another idea is prominent. It is that of security. Oh, how sure and safe is the inner life of the believer! If all the powers of earth and hell could combine against it, that immortal principle must still exist. For he who gave it pledged his life for its preservation. And who is he that shall harm you when God is your protector?
One of the hallmarks of Protestant Christianity is its tradition of singing. Just as the worship in the Old Testament was characterized by song, so the people of God down through the ages have been a singing people. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to offer a CD entitled Our Great Redeemer's Praise that contains nearly an hour of the great hymns of the church performed by the various musical groups of Bob Jones University in Greenville, South Carolina. The CD is available free of charge to our Let the Bible Speak listeners. To obtain a copy, you may contact us by email, by telephone, or by regular mail. You may write to Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or you may simply call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. Ask for your free copy of Our Great Redeemer's Praise.
Currently on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Today he will conclude a message entitled, The Titles of the Holy Spirit, particular designations of the Spirit given in the Bible, which help us to understand a number of important things about the Spirit, who He is, and what He does. We've seen that these titles show the Spirit's equality with the Father and the Son, They also point to his personal properties, his goodness, his holiness. In addition, these titles reveal the Spirit's wonderful works in and for God's people. We've seen him portrayed as the Spirit of promise, as the Comforter, as well as the Spirit of judgment and of burning. Finally, he's the Spirit of might, the source of power for God's people. Now Dr. Cairns concludes this message on the titles of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit communicates God's will. Ah, but He does more than that. He communicates the spiritual faculty to perceive it and the spiritual power to perform it. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 11 and 2, He's also called the Spirit of Counsel. Couldn't get better advice. And what God the Lord would say. Romans 8, 14, All the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. He's the Spirit of counsel. Remember the words of the first psalm. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Here's how a Christian walks. A Christian must walk by some standard. He must walk in the light of some, if you want it, philosophy. He must walk in the light of some counsel, some mind. He ought to walk in the mind of Christ, in the counsel of the Spirit of God. The same verse is called the Spirit of the Fear of the Lord. It's not a very popular title for the Holy Ghost nowadays, is it? Have you ever heard a charismatic give that title to the Holy Spirit? Have you? I haven't. The Spirit of the Fear of the Lord. Charismatic preachers now tell us that it's a sin to have any kind of fear. I was told by one idiot, and I have no apology to make for that word. I was told by one idiot that the reason why Job suffered so much is that he feared it would come upon him. Because he said, the thing that I feared has come upon me. If he hadn't feared, it wouldn't have happened. How crazy can men get they would make God a liar? God says the reason it happened was because he was the most spiritually mature and perfect man on earth. These characters who aren't to the spiritual stature of coming up to his ankle bone, yet they can say it's because he feared. I want to tell you, unless men get a fear of God back in them, they're going to get nothing of God back in them. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I want to tell you, if you don't know enough about God to fear your God, you know nothing. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You're a fool. In other words, if you don't know to fear your God. Now the fear of God is not a physical or fleshly dread. The fear of God is the Holy Spirit working within us to give us such a vision of the glory of God that we fall before Him recognizing His absolute glory and our personal nothingness and deserving of hell. And as we see the Lord's glory by the power and work of the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you we'll understand the title of the fear, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Why does God do that? To keep us from pride. There's pride of face. For that reason, many a woman will spend an hour and a half in front of a mirror, and many a man sometimes as much, to make sure all the powder and paint's exactly right, to make them look as much like some Hollywood actresses they can. They want to look beautiful. Pride of face. I want to tell you, there's pride of place. And there's people so proud of where they are and their position. They look down their long, ugly noses at everybody who doesn't seem to come up as far in life as they do. These are abominable things. If God has made you beautiful, thank God for it. But don't be too proud about it, for he could take it away just as quickly. I saw a photograph in a book. I was in a bookstore, and I took down this book. And in that book, there was a photograph of Marilyn Monroe. You young kids here will not remember Marilyn Monroe, but she was the sex goddess of the 1950s, the epitome of beauty. The photograph was of Marilyn Monroe on the coroner's slab. And I tell you, I do not exaggerate when I say she had the face and the features of an 80-year-old woman. And I do not exaggerate when I tell you that my mother-in-law, who died in her 80s, looked younger and better in death than she did. God has given you beauty, strength, of body, etc. Thank Him for it, but don't get proud about it. If God has given you talent or place, use it for God, but don't get proud about it. And then there's pride not only of face and of place, but there's pride of grace. I want to tell you of all pride, that's the filthiest of all. Paul was very much aware of this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, lest I should be lifted up because of all the spiritual blessings that God has given me. Lest I be lifted up, God give me the thorn in the flesh. The spirit of the fear of the Lord to keep us humble. And then there's another title. Isaiah 4 and verse 4. Another one that's not often mentioned is the spirit of judgment and of burning. You just stop and think of that. What does it mean? He searches. He refines. He burns up the dross. The Holy Spirit 
word is like a burning flame within the life of the believer. The Lord Jesus said, Ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came as the sound of a rushing mighty wind and tongues like as of fire. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of burning. God knows there is dross enough in the church of Jesus Christ today. God knows among the people of God today there is loose living. There is carnal living. There is worldliness that would never have been tolerated in days gone by. We are living in a day when it doesn't really matter anymore how much like the world a Christian can become. He talks like the world, he thinks like the world, he acts like the world, and he simply puts God as a P.S. to the letter of life. I want to tell you, my friend, that sort of thing needs to be burned out of us by the blazing operation of the Holy Ghost. He's the spirit of burning. Oh, that he would start burning in our midst. When the Holy Ghost starts burning in your heart and my heart, when he gets the old frigid, frosty coldness out of our lives, when the Holy Ghost starts getting the dross out of our lives, and that's a very, very painful, refining process that I don't like any more than you like. But when he starts to do that, and the fire of the Spirit of God starts to blaze abroad in the lives of the people of God and across the church of Jesus Christ, then and only then will we have that mighty fire that will roll across the city and the state and the nation. Then and only then will we see the spirit of burning, burning up the apostasy, burning up the idolatry, burning up the humanism. All these are enemies of the gospel. My friend, we can't start there. Judgment needs to begin at the house of God needs to start with us. He's the spirit of judgment and of burning. And the last title is that he is the spirit of might. We read that in Isaiah 11 verse 2. He's the spirit of might. That means he's the mighty spirit. He's the omnipotent spirit. But it means he is the source of all might and power for you and for me. He empowers the church of Jesus Christ. The power of God the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The Spirit of night. Oh, how that brings us to the dust. Power and preaching could never come by human oratory. Now God can use human oratory. Spurgeon was a magnificent orator. Whitfield was an unparalleled orator. God used their oratory. But their power did not reside in their oratory. power resides in the Holy Ghost. Power in preaching does not depend on great learning. 
God can use great learning. And as a Presbyterian, I believe strongly in a ministry that's educated in the things of God to the highest possible and attainable level. But power does not come simply from learning. And I say that power does not even come from doctrinal orthodoxy. Oh, we need to be orthodox. I have no hesitation in saying my prayer to God would be if ever an apostate would put his foot in this pulpit that God would blow the place apart and burn it to the ground. This was not built as a temple for apostates. But there's many people who are right. Trouble is they're dead right. I'm often asked, are you really a Calvinist? Yes, I am. If that's what the world wants to call people who believe in the doctrines of grace, yes, I'm a Calvinist. But I'm ashamed of the vast majority of people who profess those very doctrines. Utterly ashamed of them. They of all people ought to be on their knees, and yet they're not. They of all people ought to be consumed with the fire of evangelism, but yet they're not. They of all people ought to know the sovereign power of the Holy Spirit, and yet they don't. I want to tell you, my friend, power comes from the person of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to be misunderstood here. The Lord can put up with a lot of things, and He does. Thank God He does, otherwise He'd never use any one of us. He can put up with a lot of things. I read the works of a man like John Wesley. John Wesley, in my opinion, was a spiritual giant who was wrong on a multitude of things. But when it came down to preaching justification by faith, regeneration by the Spirit, John Wesley had no betters. And it came to a man who wanted to know God in the fullness of the Holy Ghost. John Wesley was that man. I know people who have doubted whether the man was saved. What abject folly. What narrow-minded bigotry. God save us from it. Doubt it whether the man was saved. They weren't fit to unloose his goods. Oh yes, I can disagree with many of his statements. But I want to tell you, God, when he deals with you and me, has to put up with an awful lot of imperfection. Immaturity downright folly when he gives his Holy Spirit I want to tell you he gives that man with all his imperfections power power the crying need of the church of 
Jesus Christ today. We have looked quite a few things in this final point. God willing, we'll examine them more fully in days to come. For the moment, let's go to our God. Let's get down before His face in prayer. And let's cry for the full and the unhindered working of God, the Holy Spirit, in our hearts, in our lives, in our church, the working of the Spirit in us and through us for the glory of Christ. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 